0: Certainly it's good to be here this morning. You mentioned in Bible class that, you know, Joe's just one of us. Well, I, I feel that way when you live in Tipton and, you know, if I go west or I go south, I'm in pretty good shape. If I go too far east, those people over there are just different. <laughs> you know, a bunch of hillbillies over there, we're rednecks, we got to get that straight. <clears throat> Today I want to talk on a subject that's kind of a subject of, oh no, and that is the subject of giving. Now I'm not going to talk about the duty of giving, the responsibility of giving, even though those are things that probably need to be talked about. Certainly not. I'm not going to talk about that, but I am going to talk to you this morning about the joy of giving. So I've got some good news and bad news about giving. Let's start with the bad news. You got your Bibles, turn in your Old Testament to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We don't have an absolute text today. We have, well, we have one, but we will be all over the the Bible. The bad news, like I said first, let's get it out of the way. There once was a man who lived on the earth named Solomon. Solomon was beyond wealthy. He had 40,000 horse saws, 700 wives, 300 concubines. He had tons of gold. He had silver. And I think... You know, it's been estimated all around what Solomon was worth. Trillionaire, billionaire, all these numbers. But he would have been the wealthiest man on the planet earth. And his wealth came to him because God's blessing on him. But he was wealthy beyond measure. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10. We'll look at the first part. 10, 11, and 12 is what we're going to look at. He says there, Whoever loves money never has enough. Never has money enough. In other words, the more you have, the more you want. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. The more you have, the less satisfied you are. Verse 11, the first part of it says, As goods increase, so do those who consume them. The more you have, the more people want, including the government and people like relatives and people come after it because you have more of it. The second part of that verse says, And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? They sure look good, but that's about it. Because the more you have, you realize it doesn't really meet your needs. I can just feast my eyes on it. You know, the study has been shown to buy a new car. The idea, the anticipation to buy that new car is greater than once you get it. And then it's here. And then it's kind of, ah, uh, you know. That's kind of the way it is. So the more I have, the more I, I realize it doesn't really fit my deepest needs. Verse 12 says this, The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. The more you have, the more you have to worry about it. Isn't that true? The more you have, the more you have to worry about it. Let me tell you something, folks. I do not have to worry about barnacles on my yacht. See, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about my, my airplane hanger having a hole in the hangar that's getting my jet wet. I don't have to worry about those things. See, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. Ecclesiastes 5 and 13, I see grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded, now listen to this, to the harm of its owner. Notice he doesn't say to the other people who are able to benefit from that wealth, But it's to the owner. The more you have, the more you have to lose. And then verse 5, Ecclesiastes 5, he continues, Naked a man came from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can't carry in his hands. In other words, you can't take it with you. Solomon's preaching to us. He's just telling us his story. You can't take it with you. That's what he's learned in life. And look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon's still going on. We're on the bad news, guys. He said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. He admits it. He refused himself no pleasure. There's nothing that his eyes desire. Normally, we chase... Well, let me read another verse. When I surveyed all that my hands had done... This is a summary of everything. (coughs) Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind... Nothing was gained under the sun. Now, normally, we chase mirages with our money. You know that? We chase this thing that's out here. This thing I want, this big thing out here. And we chase it, we chase it, and chase it. And for us, the normal human being, the average person, we never run out of mirages. We never run out of that dream, that thing that's out here. We never run out of that. Solomon did. Solomon did. One of the few people who actually did. He ran out of mirages before he ran out of money. We run out of money before we run out of mirages because we can chase it all day and not get it because we don't have that. He did. He had that kind of money. He had that kind of wealth. And so look what he did. He said, I chased it and chased it. There's nothing out there. Nothing. Guys, that's the bad news. It's over with. Now the good news. Let's talk about the good news. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 6. He has. let me encourage you. I'm going to get off the subject just a little bit today. Hey, if you are not doing this, please get in the habit of reading your Bible every day, please. Proverbs has 31 chapters. You can do a chapter a day. October's coming. October 1, I'm going to do Proverbs 1. Just do that one chapter. Then let me, do, let me ask you to do something else. Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I think if we ever got the Sermon on the Mount down with all the lessons it has in it, I think we'd be almost a perfect society and a perfect church. Read that every day, hit your Proverbs, and then just do that every day. It won't take you very long. And let those words sink in. Here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 and verse 19 through 21, this is the good news. Do not store up for t- yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's try to unpack that just a, bit, a little bit. Jesus says don't store up for yourself here on this earth. Why? Because treasures are bad? No. Simply because they don't last. John D. Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest men who ever lived, and a journalist asked his account and said, how much did he leave once he died? And he said the famous line, he left it all. Christ said just that. He said, earthly treasures aren't going to last. You can't take it with you. Either they leave us or we leave them. But one day, know this, we will be parted for eternity. Okay? With our earthly treasures. Sometimes we get confused because the message of society is to go out and get all you can get. We're we're thinking one way when God's saying another way. That's not the way I want you to be. I want you to do what makes sense. Laying up for your treasures here on this earth does not make sense. It's a pragmatic view. And as he says, Jesus says, Paul quoting him there, he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. God wants the best for us. He does. And he's telling us this formula here to do your best. You can't take it with you. Each of us were made for a place and each of us were made for a person. That place is heaven and that person is Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing else. And so we've got to be moving toward that. So let me give you six things this morning. Six principles that I think we can live with as far as our giving is concerned. In Luke 12, 33-34, Fear not, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide money belts for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Philippians 4, 13, Paul, here, is a missionary. He says, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking at what may be credited to your account. Those are financial terms and financial words. Every gift we have is a deposit in that account. Now don't, 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 don't get me wrong here. We can't give our way to heaven as far as, you know, the more I give, I'm somehow buying my way to heaven. You're bought by Jesus Christ's blood on His cross, coming in contact with that through baptism. Okay? After that, there's a lot of work we've got to do, and this is just one of the areas we're working on. First principle is this. Everything I own belongs to God. I'm just a money manager. That's all I am. Look at these verses, Psalms 24 and verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Leviticus 25, the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Well, I guess he's making a clear point. So right now we're thinking, okay, well, at least I belong to myself. No, you don't. No, you don't. First Corinthians 6 and 20 says, you are not your own. You are bought at a price to shed blood of the Son of God on our behalf. Stewardship is about the fact that I'm God's money manager. My name's on the account along with His, but I have to do something with it. Deuteronomy eight eighteen says this, remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Sometimes we think by my own ingenuity, by my own skill, by my own talent, that I'm able to do these things for God. Well, I don't want to belittle those. But I do also want to tell you something else. Who gave you those talents? God did. God did. So everything I have belongs to God. My talents, my abilities, whatever it is, belongs to God. Know that. The second key to the treasure principle is this. My heart always goes where I put my money. Ecclesiastes 5.12, the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Why? Because the heart only feels safe when the heart's treasures are are safe. And the more we lay up for ourselves here on this earth, guess what? The more I'm not going to be able to sleep because I'm too worried about it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me get on a very practical, you know, look at your checkbook, look at your visa card, look at those things, and you can see what it is that you're spending your money on. Well, let me just say, where we put our money, that's where our heart is, okay? Now, let's say tomorrow morning you wake up and you say, you know, I, I think that uh, Microsoft would be a good investment. I think that will be a good investment. So you go down to your stockbroker and you buy, or you go online, you buy 100 shares of Microsoft. What happens after that? Every time you hear of a story about Microsoft or you even get a glimpse on the news, you're walking by the TV, Microsoft today, whoa, you stop and you listen, don't you? Why? Because you have a vested interest in Microsoft. You have that interest in that stock. All of a sudden things change. You didn't care about that before. Why do you care about it now? Because you have a, 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 an investment in it. Now, let me tell you something today, guys. The church is a good place to invest. Church is where we need to be investing. You know, this church, right here, right now, today. You know, if you've got, if you want to get a vested interest in it, if you want to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven when you're on this earth, then invest in the church today. You say, I want a heart for those people who are lost over in XYZ country. Well, give to that missionary. We probably have a missionary there in the church. I know we support one in Ecuador and some other places. Give to that. I have a heart for the poor. Then give to the poor. That way, guess what? You're invested in it. I have a heart for children. Give to children's home. I know, a good one. You know, give to those things. I'm saying wherever you're going to invest in is where your heart is. And it changes the way we think when we start investing in those things that matter the most. Number three, heaven is not... Heaven, not earth, is my home. That's the third one. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Hebrews 11, verse 8, they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Instead, they are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for him. This may not ring true for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you can't honestly say that heaven is your home. Well, that's a whole other lesson of believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing and putting him on in baptism. Okay? Okay. Paul says that if we're Christians, heaven is where our citizenship should be. And I believe we've neglected heaven to our own personal loss. We've neglected the idea that that really is my home. See, earth is not my home. Let me put it to you this way, guys. Let's say you're visiting here in Tawney, Texas. You're going to be here for three months. For three months, you're going to be here. Now, here's the rules. You're from France. You live in Paris, France. Now, here's the rules. You can send all the money you want to back to France. You can send every dime of it back to France to when you get back home. You can put it all over there. Okay. But, whatever you possess here and you buy here, you leave here. Okay. You leave it here at your apartment. Now, let me ask you something. If that's the case, how many expensive paintings are going to be left on the wall when you die, when you go back to France? How many nice cars are going to be in the garage when you go back to France? What about the boat? What about all these other things that we bought and they're all here in that room but I just leave them here. Let me tell you something. If it was my apartment there'd be one piece of stale bread left in that apartment then I'd go home. That's all there'd be because I'm not going to invest here because I'm going back to France. Same way it is the uh, heaven not earth is your home. Leads into the point number four. I should not live for the dot before the before the line Our life on this, our life here on this earth is nothing but a dot. Very, very short. The older you get, the shorter it gets. We need to live for the line, which is for eternity. Our, 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 we can't get this sometimes because we're human, but our life here on this earth starts, it ends. See, that's it. It starts and it ends. My life, you want to call it that, in eternity is like this. It's forever. And ever and ever. That's what it is. Moses, Hebrews 11, chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to his reward. Is it selfish that we look forward to our reward? No. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Selfishness is when we pursue gain at the expense of others. But it's not that God has one piece of pie in heaven. Just one piece and everybody's got to share it. There's unlimited. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Famous quote from a missionary said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Remember, I should live not for the dot, but for the line. Keep that in mind. The fifth principle is this. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. The materialism that we have is so prevalent prevalent in today's society, and it is prevalent. 1 Timothy 6, 18-19, people who want to get rich fall into temptation, a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into evil, into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money itself, is the root of all kinds of evil. evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The money-driven life doesn't work. When we live a, a life for the purpose of Jesus Christ and God, that does work. Materialism is a joyless self-destruction. It's almost self-suicide. That's what materialism goes to. First Timothy six seventeen through 19 Paul tells Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. It's not about guilt. It's about the material things that God has given us to share those with others, what He's saying there. Again, continue First Corinthians 8 and 9. We know the way of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich for our sake, He became poor, that we through His poverty might become rich. Giving, guys, is the only antidote to materialism. Then the last one. God prospers me. Not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. We know that God provides givers. Malachi 3, test me and see if I won't open the heavens and pour out blessings upon you when you give more than you can handle. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and be poured into your lap. God's saying... Give generously and I'll provide for you. It might not be the worldly things, but He'll provide for us in eternity, won't He? Why does He give us then more than we need? Why does He do that? Second Corinthians 8-14 says, At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathereth much did not have too much, and who gathered little did not have too little. So we solve two problems. First of all, the problem of having too much. We solve that by giving. Second, the problem of that we give to helping others. So we help others through our giving, and we help ourselves through our giving. We help ourselves because we're getting rid of it, and that's why we're blessed with it. And we help others because they need it. Second Corinthians nine ten through eleven. While he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He will be made rich in every way. In every way. I want you to imagine it's the end of the Civil War. You're living in the South. Your home is really in the North. You're going to return home someday. And as you're living in the South, you accumulate all this Confederate currency. And you know that once the war is over, guess what's going to happen to us? It's going to be worthless, isn't it? So how much do you keep of that? If they're giving you a free opportunity. You change it over to real money our currency that we have today. You change it over to that. Now, how much are you going to keep of that Confederate? That's what we do all the time, though. That's what we do all the time. We hang on to something that doesn't have any real value. You no, know, we need to be investing for eternity. If I say I'll give you $1,000 today, here it is. You can wait one year and have a million dollars. How many of us would take the million? Oh, everybody would, wouldn't we? Everybody would. And God's not saying that. He's not even using those terminologies. He's using terminology we can't even understand. We don't want to be you know, dumb about things, but we need to invest for eternity. It says there that David was overcome with joy in giving to the building of the temple. God loves a cheerful cheerful giver. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know guys, it's kind of on a simple turn. It's kind of like a FedEx guy. He comes and here's the package we give to the FedEx man, and then he takes it. And you find out later he took it home, opened it up and started using whatever it was we were sending. That's the way it is with us. We're the FedEx guy. We get these things from God. Most importantly, we get His Word. We need to be giving it on. We shouldn't just be hoarding it up at home. It doesn't do us any good. You know, five minutes after you die. Five minutes. I wonder if we could, you know, if you could ask some questions. What would I have given away in this life if I'd known how it was going to end? Five minutes after you die. Answer that question then why don't you give it away today? Now, give it away. God says, I want you to lay up treasures in heaven. Let me close by asking you this one question. One question. Why are so many Christians afraid to die? Y'all remember that old song we used to sing? Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to carry me home. Why is it that we're so afraid to die? Why is that? Well, I think what it is, is today we've stored up for ourselves treasures on this earth. But we don't want to lose them. Now, guys, one way or another, one way or another, we will be parted from them. Now, we can either back our way into heaven, moving away from our treasures, or we can be headed toward our treasures, which we've laid up in heaven. It's our choice. Don't you think, though, that all of us would be willing to die? For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Don't you think we'd all have that if we did a better job of laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven? I hope this has helped you today. I know when, when, when somebody calls me to speak, I look at things that I need in my own life, and this is what I come up with. Okay? I think we all need to be giving more than what we do. And let me just say this. I'm not only talking about money or resources. We need to give more of our time. Time has become such a precious commodity in our busy world. We need to give more. Give more. So that it can be said as it is in Galatians 6, let us not grow weary in well-doing. God's going to bless us. We need to be givers. Let's lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. If you're here this morning subject to the Lord's invitation, let us know as together we stand and sing.